welcome to ArchiSpeak, a podcast about all things architecture. My name is Neil Pan. Join me and my co-hosts, Evan Troxell and Cormac Phelan, every other week as we explore what it is like to work in the profession of architecture. Have you ever worked with an architect? Have you ever wanted to be an architect? Maybe you're in school and you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Or perhaps you know exactly what it is like as you've been working in the profession for a long time and you know that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Or maybe, just maybe, you're planning on changing the world. Join us as we have a casual conversation about all things architecture. It's time for some Speak. Welcome to episode 101 of the Speak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And this episode of Speak is once again sponsored by our good friends over at RCAT. Check out all the features they offer at arcat.com, and we'll talk a little more about them later in the show. But first up, we have some friends of the show to announce. We have two friends of the show to announce, and uh, apologize in advance because I think these these friends have have they have donated a few weeks ago, and we're just getting around to this, so they were lost in the pile of emails. But uh, that out of the way, let's talk about our first friend of the show for this episode, which is George Valdez from New York City. And George is uh, a guy that we've run into a few times at the AIA convention, and he is one of the guys working on Iris VR. And he says, thank you very much for the much-needed conversation. So we appreciate that, George. That's a, a very cool little note to get, and I appreciate that you're listening. Our next new friend of the show is John Bird, and uh, John Bird is a third-year architecture student in Texas, and he thanks Cormac for his service. Thanks, John. Ooh. All right, so those are our new friends of the show. If you would like to become a friend of the show, and if you would like to send us a nice note like that, uh, you can do that free of charge. But if you would like to donate, uh, we would love it because it helps make the podcast possible. So you can do that at arcaspeakpodcast.com slash donate. And any donation over $5, you can have your name read on the air. And, of course, you can choose not to. And we still would appreciate the donations. Like we said, it, it helps make the show possible. So head over to that web address and make your donation today. Thank you very much. So uh, a next little piece of business to talk about before we, we jump into it here is the Now Next Future Conference, which is happening, I think, it's October 28th. So it's coming up soon. It's coming within a week of the release of this podcast episode. So uh, the Now Next Future Conference is going on in Los Angeles. And uh, if you head over to nownextfuture.org, that is the website address. And there's some people speaking at this. It's it's really an a architecture and technology conference. And it's put on by the AIA California Council. Very excited to go to this and uh, and kind of see what's what's happening I did reach out to, uh, there's actually a couple of old students of mine are presenting there. It's going to be cool to catch up with them. And then I reached out to Terry Moore, who's a friend of the show, and she um, is she does digital design and fabrication out of her studio, Moore Freisel in L.A., and uh, had a nice talk with her about the kinds of things that she's going to be presenting there. And just to give people kind of an idea of why they might want to attend um, – it's it's her her talk specifically, and I think a lot of the other ones too are going to be about uh, digital design and fabrication, 
And software as a tool, knowing your tools, knowing how things are made and caring how things are made so that they're made how you design them, right? So I think that's something that we run into as architects all the time is we draw things up. We spend a lot of time thinking about this stuff and then somebody doesn't look at the drawings and they build it anyway, right? So mm. I think this is kind of going to be one of those eye-opening experiences of how architects are taking this into their own hands and really kind of taking back the process and then working with fabricators and digital design to enable them to, you know, people who are interested in seeing these designs become realized and figuring out the best way to do that with, with the newest tools. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Like I said, I'm looking forward to it and we'll probably talk a little bit about it after that date comes. So now nextfuture.org is the website where you can see more about what that conference is all about and it, hit hit it up quick. I'm I'm pretty sure they're not sold out. Uh, it's happening over at UCLA uh, on the 28th. So and you're going to that? I am going to go to that and uh sounds great. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm <laughs> I want to go. Super excited about it. So I I I, th- I hope it kind of moves around and isn't just like an LA centric thing, but there might be more uh events of this type happening all over the place. I just I have I'm just starting to get into it. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, the way that you were explaining it, you know, uh, I started to think of is, you know, uh, you know, first you said, you know, uh, them not looking at drugs. And I, of course, have a, uh, you know, example of that that I was living through this past week. Um, And then them basically trying to force me to choose a compromise on a design that is, you know, pretty significant. And of course, I don't want to. But I was thinking that, you know, things like this with all of this fast moving technology might actually give us the opportunity to somewhat regain the um, master builder status that we at once had that, you know, so that we are always a part of the process from start to finish. uh, Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing to me how many architects stay away from that or just ignore it. When I think it's a huge opportunity, like you're saying, to yeah. to kind of grab that control back, and and but it also forces us to dig really deep and understand the entire process, so that we make the best decisions while designing yeah. it, so that it can actually happen exactly how the intent was was kind of created in the beginning. So it it's not easy, and it, it takes a lot of dedication, but. Uh, the the results can be pretty amazing with with the technology that's that's out there now, right? Right. So yeah, it's exciting. I'm 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 looking forward to it. All right. Well, we'll we'll get a debrief when you get back. That's right. You're making me want to uh, to fly down now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I'm looking forward to it. All right. So we've got uh, a few different grab bag topics this week that we wanted to talk about and kind of follow up our blockbuster two hour long episode with something maybe a little bit shorter this time so that uh, we're not pushing that two hour mark again but that was a fun episode last episode 100 with bob was was fun we had a lot of good comments and i think it was kind of it was neat for people to see behind the scenes of of the podcast i mean our podcast is about looking behind the scenes of the architectural profession so it was a little bit meta to go behind the scenes of the podcast that goes behind the scenes of the profession. <laughs> but uh, same with Bob's site. That was cool to get that insight in here uh, behind the scenes of lifeofanarchitect.com and 
kind of how it started and, and the journey that it's been on and then the journey that we've been on too. So thanks for the comments from everybody. And you go ahead and keep commenting. If you head over to arcaspeakpodcast.com slash episodes slash 100, you can leave comments there or you can hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. And just so you guys know, we're going to be talking about uh, a few things tonight that might end up in the show notes. And if you want to subscribe to those show notes and get them emailed to you, that's all we do with that that email is send out the show notes. And you can do that by going to the website, arcaspeakpodcast.com. And on the right side of just about every page, there's a way to sign up and get those delivered to your mailbox. And uh, those show up when the episode goes live and it, you can follow along and, and check out what we're talking about. So I'm going to start this off with something I'm going to surprise you guys here. Uh-oh. This last week, an article came out on Business Insider, and you guys probably saw it, but it was, uh, I'm, I'm looking it up here. It's called The 19 Most Breathtaking Buildings in the World According uh, yes. to Architects. And the reason I bring it up here is because I, I, I wanted to pose the question to you guys as it was posed to me, which was like, uh, the deadline's in five minutes, you have to pick a building, go. And, and so like, what's the first piece of architecture that comes to your mind that is a breathtaking piece of architecture that you would want to share with other people or make them aware of? Hmm. Interesting. Neil. Oh, <laughs> nice. You're going to kick it to me? Yes. Wow. That was good. You start, you, that was yeah. good. Uh, <laughs> Thanks a lot, throwing me under the bus there. You 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 Wait, started talking, so I figured uh, I would let you go. Yeah, quick silence. Gotta, uh, let me put it. Let me put it in reverse and back over you, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we need I, a Do we need a thump thump thump? You're gonna thump need a sound noise? effect for that. Yeah, one. sound effect. All right, there, so there you go. <laughs> here's one. And so I don't know. It's hard. Well, I mean, there's there's so many it, things you could say. So just pick one and go with it. So so this is an amazing collection of buildings, and they're nice buildings. I don't think it's representative of the best work that this particular architect's ever done. Uh-huh. And there are certainly more that probably could make the nineteenth most um, breathtaking. But what I found really interesting about these buildings or a specific building on this campus. And it's the campus of Florida Southern College. I don't know if it's college or university by Frank Lloyd Wright. He designed the campus. He designed a lot of the buildings. Um, The campus wasn't fully realized before he passed away, but um, there's a huge collection, a couple, um, you know, at least like, I don't know, maybe 15 or so of his buildings. But, there's one building in particular now you know they're all they're all connected by you know these low slung canopies that connect all of these different buildings it's florida so it's open and um because it rains all the time the sidewalks are covered and there's one building and i i noticed this and it, i just found it really fascinating and wanted to look into it more we moved away and so you know but if you stand next to the building, like right up against the wall, the sound bounces off of the canted face of the uh, of the cast in place concrete and bounces off into kind of like nothingness. So it almost sounds like the sound that you're making when you're standing next to the building just dies. Mm. I mean, it's a very 
almost it, it almost kind of like sucks the sound out of the air. And then you take one step to the side and you you know start talking again and it bounces in a completely different manner. And you can take a couple of different you, you almost do like the little two step right next to this you know it's the administration building at on campus and you do like a little two step and you step in a couple of different directions and the sound keeps changing. Hmm. And it's just this weird it, it's the first time that the architecture influences how you hear your natural surroundings in the voices and things like that. It goes from deadening it to amplifying it to echoing it to, you know, it is just so bizarre. Um, makes you, makes uh, you play with it. Basically. It does. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, every time I go there, I'm like, Oh, come here, come here. You got to You got to see this. Okay. Say something. <laughs> and now stand here and say something. Yeah. You know, it's just like, that's, and that's then you, cool. and then you see the look on their face. It's like, wait, What's going on with the what? What's the sound doing? It's just kind of really cool that it's the audio experience of architecture. All right, Neil, you've had enough time. Okay, well, I'm gonna go old school, and and this is probably just because of my experience of living. Of course, oh, <laughs> so expected. <laughs> Please tell us about the Parthenon. <laughs> um, no, I wasn't gonna go quite that old, but. Uh, after living in Florence uh, for a year, so when you when you first posed the question, I don't know. Actually, I thought of a couple of things, but but this one here kind of resonates with me. But the the Duomo in Florence, uh, just a magnificent cathedral, a wonderful space in the center of Florence with the most incredible dome uh, of all time. Really, it's just it's an amazing structure and just a a fabulous uh, yeah a, a fabulous building. So. Uh, I don't know that that's kind of one of the pieces of architecture that meant a lot to me when I lived there and uh, still does. I mean, that experience alone, just living in Florence, experiencing not only that building, but of course, uh, a a number of other cathedrals in Florence and other parts of Italy uh, just is really has changed my life. So, yeah, I think uh, one of the cool things about the Duomo is how you can experience it, right? You can experience it from underneath it. You can experience it right. from within it, right? You get to go up between the two shells. Yeah. Not that I've ever been there. I'm, I'm, I haven't. I've just heard people talk about that amazing experience of getting to the Oculus at the top. Yeah. Yep. And I, I've actually done that. And the tradition in Florence, I think, uh, if I'm remembering this correctly, is to not go to the top until after you've graduated uh, architecture school. Mm. So oh, really? We, yeah. So we, we experienced the building throughout the year that I was there, but uh, until we took finished our last classes, and in, in my case, it was my last year in, in architecture school, so technically, quote-unquote, I had graduated at that point. <laughs> we went all the way to the top. We did walk between the shells of the dome, the dome and went all the way to the, the top. Sorry. Um, (laughs) So that it was just a wonderful experience and just a a fabulous building. um, Yeah, that is is different than the other types of buildings. When I when you first posed the question, my first thought was, "Oh, what sort of modern architecture building that you know means something to me?" Yeah, but but this means something to me as well. I I think that's it's a it's an important part of the question. Is is breathtaking yeah. the just the word breathtaking to me means that you had to have been there 
and visited it. Because if you haven't, then how do you know if it's breathtaking? It's hard to get that through a photograph, I think, uh, or a book, right, or an article. So to me, it was something, I had to pick something quick, and I had to pick something that I had been to, and I happened to pick a, a, a residence. There was only two residences on the on the in the article. There was one for Falling Water, which, Cormac, you've talked about on the podcast previously with your visit. Yes. And I haven't been there, um, and I would love to go. It's definitely on the list. But um, the the one that I put was the Sheets Goldstein residence by John Lautner, which is in L.A. Uh, and I've been there a couple times now, and I've just been lucky enough to, to do that. And it is one of those places where I don't think a lot of people think about houses when you think of the 19 most breathtaking pieces of architecture. I think houses probably aren't on very many people's lists, but this is one that, like I said in there, you know, it, it's something that sits you down and makes you say, whoa, because uh, it's one of those sci-fi pieces of architecture. It almost doesn't yeah. seem real. Yeah. And until you go there, when you're there, I should say, it doesn't even feel real. It's it's like, it's one of those jaw-dropping structures because of the the way, the, the, the forward-thinking design and the way that the spaces interlock and stuff it's it's one of those houses that was way ahead of its time, and it was originally designed for a couple, for the Sheets couple, and and then they they had kids and they lived there and they had you know there's I don't know remember how many bedrooms there's three or four bedrooms and overall I mean it's it's not a huge sprawling McMansion style thing right it, it's on a hillside it's surrounded by a jungle and it's like triangles and it's it's amazing because it was originally designed to be an indoor outdoor house that kind of epitomized life in LA where the the climate is supposedly so good that you don't need uh, to be protected from the environment except for maybe a roof over your head because now there's glass between the living room and the outdoor pool area. Originally it was an air curtain that was designed to be there. Mm. And what, what's so interesting about that is, is that you can tell when you're there that there's not supposed to be glass there. Because when people try to walk through the glass and they they bong into it, <laughs> you're like, you know that like no one's paying attention that there's actually glass there. Uh, it just doesn't feel right that there should be a barrier, uh, and and like it makes sense why it's there now because the the air curtain was a total failure because we do get bad weather here. Um, but at the same time, like they replaced it with completely frameless glass to keep the idea alive. And it, it barely separates you from indoor indoors to outdoors. And and I think that's really successful about it. There's other interesting things where huge expanses of skylight above the kitchen are operable and they open up and you're cooking outdoors all of a sudden. And there's windows from inside the pool down to the master bedroom. Uh, so you can be in the master bedroom and see who's swimming in the pool. And I mean, all this was done in the sixties, right? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a James Bond style house for sure. Mm. Um, it's probably most famous for being in the big Lebowski, I would think. And some people, uh, that, yeah, yeah. that's what I got laughed at. Right? Oh, you, you talked about the big Lebowski house. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's owned by James Goldstein. I think he's actually already has all of it worked out to where LACMA takes over the ownership of this house. Cause James Goldstein is, he's, uh, he's getting up there in his age. He's, he's a, a total, fashionista and a basketball fan and he he's a jet setting guy who flies all around the world but he's not going to do that forever and so lacma is going to take over the house 
once he's gone, and uh, which is cool because I, I mean I, I have mixed feelings. I think a, a house kind of loses its soul once no one lives in it anymore. That's kind of what makes a, right. a piece of architecture real architecture and not a museum. They're a little different. I I, I don't. That might sound a little weird, but um, because museums can be architecture too. But I think a house kind of loses its soul. Uh, once once there's no one living in it anymore. So that'll be an interesting to see kind of how it changes or if it changes. Um, but anyway, that was my pick. And again, like I had five minutes to pick it. So there's a lot of cool buildings on that site. We'll put a link in the show notes for people to check out. A lot of friends of the show uh, were included in there. I think Bob Borson from our last episodes um, got, got a pick in there. And let's see, who else? America McKeel, friend of the show. Rosa Shang, friend of the show. So uh, there's quite a few people who that who uh all chat on Twitter every once in a while too and get their got their picks in there so that was kind of cool. Anyway, uh, the other stuff that I that we talked about uh doing were just some kind of listener feedback, write in some some different things. So we were just going to kind of take these in order. So uh, I'll start with the first one uh which was from listener Moises Perez and let me scroll down here to what Moises was asking. He's a uh, Currently doing his prerequisites at his local community college for civil engineering. He's always had a passion for architecture as a major. And how is the architecture field and is it in demand? So that's his question there. The one thing that's kept me from pursuing architecture as a major is that I have heard architecture graduates are underpaid and that they can't find jobs. Mm. So somebody who is interested or actually passionate for architecture as a major um, is wondering if people are underpaid and can't find jobs, right? That's a valid concern. I think oh, it's, yeah. it's good to be looking ahead. And it's always the concern every time, you know, we get into these kind of like economic lulls in overall, because what's the first thing that gets hit is usually the design and construction industry because people stop building new homes or, you know, and when new homes stall, then, the commercial side stalls and stuff like that. And, you know, we've had our ups and downs in the past decade or so. And um, the one thing that I can say just from once, kind of when we started this podcast, I started following all the different job boards, AIA, um, Insight, um, LinkedIn, you know, a bunch of other ones that just to kind of see what, not what is out there for me to be actively looking, but kind of just look at how many times people are asking for architects. Because you know, obviously we go and we look on a job board and we type in architect and, you know, unless we know computer programming, it's not a job for us. And um, and I've, I've been encouraged over the past, say, three, four years of seeing more and more jobs posted at every different level, you know, now, obviously I typed in and just looked up looking for a project manager level um, position and I get a lot of things like that and I see a lot. So that's encouraging that they're hiring basically kind of middle, middle career to early career and stuff like that. So I, I think that the job market is getting better. It's becoming stronger. Um, I, I do read things uh, like, you know, the, in uh, Business Weekly and stuff like that, that, you know, housing starts are up and, and that's always encouraging. Um, and, you know, usually what my particular gauge for the economy is, or at least for our p- profession, 
is are they hiring architects in the Detroit area? Hmm. Because that was one of the most hard hit areas in the 08 recession. I mean, everybody got hit, but in in Detroit, it went absolutely nowhere. I mean, it, it just, it, there was no jobs to be had, you know, in 08 after um, I went out of business and my wife and I decided that it's an opportunity for us to probably look outside of the state of Florida for um, employment. First thing that we wanted to do is look home and see if, you know, Michigan and Detroit area was hiring. And, you know, I've told the story before, but I, so I sent out 60 resumes and I'm not making that number up. It was 60 resumes and I didn't get a single bite out of a single resume. And when I followed up on phone calls, they mostly said, well, sorry, we'd like to hire you, but we're going out of business or, you know, we're laying a bunch of people off or we have no projects for you and, and things like that. And um, to see the market in depressed areas like that, like Florida, like California, actually bouncing back, the jobs are there or the jobs are growing and that's encouraging. So, yeah. And I, so yeah, it is really market dependent as far yeah. as are jobs available when you graduate. That's kind of the, the accurate question to ask there, right? Because yeah, right now it's, it's going crazy and I think it's yeah. only going to get crazier as far as it is totally the employees market. People can it is. It go wherever is. they want right now. And, and if you have skills that firms need, I mean, that's, that's, what you're you're going to get a job. And I don't think that's an issue right now, but during a recession, no one's getting hired. No one. No. <laughs> no. And and so it we do have these these waves that we ride and some firms uh, not every firm hires and fires in lockstep, right? Some firms like the firm right. I work for is very much under the culture of we keep people as long as we possibly can. And there are other firms right, who are like, right. let's cut now so that we we right. can we can have a chance to survive, right? And so there's a lot of different strategies. And like I said, they don't go lockstep together. So you might be able to get a job at a firm while some other firms are, are actually cutting people loose. But I don't think it's difficult. I mean, I this is just speaking from my experience. I don't think it's difficult to keep a job through a recession. And, and so that's me speaking. I know that that's right. not the case right. for everybody. But I am also the kind of person who will do anything and everything I can to become more valuable. So right. exactly. It, it really... I think is up to you to show your value to these firms. And, and if you can do the exact same thing as a lot of other people can, it's going to be harder. But if you can do specialty things or you are um, putting yourself out there and you are getting noticed and there's definitely a lot of things that you can do to make yourself stand out. So we've talked a lot about jobs before on the show. I don't think we need to go that route, but let's, let's address the other piece of his question, which was are architecture graduates underpaid Mm -hmm. uh, don't let Bob hear this one because <laughs> he has his own opinions about underpaid and all that other stuff. To be quite honest with you, everybody's going to assume that they're underpaid. Is our profession's compensation kind of 
how, how does it compare to like other professions? And, you know, we talked about even like last episode, you know, about our compare, you know, our constant comparison to doctors and lawyers and things like that. And, and it's kind of an unfair comparison, but our profession is so the finances in our profession are so dependent on so many other factors that it seems like ours is low in comparison to other professions. But it's the, to me, and here's where I get all cheesy and sappy and stuff, but it's, to me, it's not necessarily just about the money. Mm-hmm. Oh, please. <laughs> it is. Uh, oh, please. I, I would, How do you pay I, your mortgage, man? Do you pay it with? Oh, oh I, I do. I do my job and I get paid. Okay. Fair and enough. I get paid well. But if I'm doing this job just for the pay, the crap we go through, the it's not worth it. We have to deal with sometimes. Sometimes it's not worth it. Yeah. So, in that aspect, if I don't love it and I don't like, you know, and I don't have the passion for it, which sounds like, you know, Moises has the passion for He's going to be fine. Yeah, he he's going to be fine. <laughs> I mean, it's going to that right there to me is what really keeps me sane in this profession. Sometimes is the fact that I actually love what I do because I I think I caught hell from somebody the last time I said something like that um, about well, I'm not just doing it for the money. Yeah, I'm doing it to get paid. I, I wouldn't do it to not get paid, but if we somehow could do away with anybody getting paid and they could just live, you know, fine and all that other stuff. And you decided, Hey, what job would you take? Take, I'd probably still pick architecture. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. And I think that you can make a very good living. Uh, you can make a very honest, decent, really good living being an architect. And so there are a lot of, uh, squeaky wheels out there who get attention because they talk about how, how terrible it is. But I mean, yeah. you yeah. also have to find the right situation for yourself. You're, you know, you got to find the the best location, the best firm for you. Oh yeah. Cause there's, there's the whole gamut out there. Just like any different field there is to choose from. Uh, if you're a doctor, there can be crappy places to work and there could be great places to work. If you're uh, a car mechanic, it's the same way, right? If you're a librarian, right. it's right. the same way. It does not matter. So find the right place for you. And as far as graduates getting underpaid, I think uh, I, I know at my firm we're really fair to graduates. And I think for for how little graduates actually know, you're getting paid very well. Yeah. So, as far as transitioning from a school to a career, um, there is a big difference in in for for the most part. Again, I can't cover everybody here, but for the most part, it's a big shift. And it's a big change, and you got to learn a lot. Like you, you're you're not done learning when you go to a career. You're you're kind of just getting started. You you now know how to think. Now you're going to actually learn how the skills to do a job. Right. And you might have some of them, but you definitely don't have all of them. And so, are you underpaid for that? I mean, I don't think so. At least, again, from my experience in my firm, there there is no way that people are what could be considered underpaid. So again, what's the context for that? Yeah, and and I, and I uh, totally echo that because um, it's like that little rookie rule in a in the NFL. It's like you know for some reason big rookies get paid too much money, and and I always think to myself, well, show me what you can do before you earn the big money. And 
I will say that there is an, an interesting, or at least I've seen, that there's an, an interesting kind of change in your compensation. Once you hit like the two, three year mark, people see that you, you know, what you can do. Um, you know, you've kind of hit your stride. You know, you, you really are starting to kind of like shake out the profession and can understand what um, you want out of it. And so I think that's usually a, it's usually kind of a time where I've seen um, interns in the past really start to kind of like take a look at, you know, is this the place I want to work? Maybe I want to start looking around. And then, you know, when they're looking around, they're both looking around for the pay bump, but also the culture of, of a different firm. Absolutely. And, should. Um, That's what you should yeah. do. It, but I mean, you know, they, but specific to your, your question here, it's, it's, that's usually when you can really start to see, um, you make more money or, you know, you get the, get that bump in pay. Yep. Or at least yeah. that's just, again, my two cents. No, I think that's true. I think it's true. There, there's always some hesitancy hiring new graduates because oh, yeah. nobody knows what, what you can do. Nobody knows. I mean, all you're, all we're basing it off of is that interview and that portfolio. And so I think just like any, any, it doesn't matter if you're just out of school or if you've been working in the profession for 20 years, you've got to prove yourself in your job. And then once, I mean, Neil, you know, right, as, as soon as you've been there for a certain amount of time, then you get to talk about it again. You get to talk about that compensation and where it's at and and what what are we going to do, right? Like they, you show your value, they show you that you're valuable, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, a good question. Appreciate it, Moises. That's, uh, that's yeah. something we've heard uh, quite a bit. And so it, it was it was a nice reminder to kind of address that. And uh, And I would just say do it. Because if you've got a passion for architecture, that's what the profession needs, is passionate people. Yep. All right, let's talk about our sponsor. That is RCAT. And you guys know RCAT. RCAT's been sponsoring the show for a long time. And so right now, stop what you're doing, pull the car over, type RCAT.com into your browser and see what RCAT's up to. RCAT is the one place where you can find everything that you could use to make your job easier. So would you like someone to draw CAD details for you, create BIM objects, or write specifications? How would you like all that for free? RCAT has pulled all of this together, all the manufacturers that are out there. They've talked to all of them. They're pulling the best resource together that they possibly can, and they are the answer. You can search the RCAT libraries for CAD, BIM, specs, catalogs, videos, and more. All of this content created for you, free of charge. And you do not have to register to use their site. You don't have to register to download that content. You don't have to give out your email address or your phone number or anything like that. You can just go to RCAT and find what you need. RCAT has created the website that's devoted to you, the building professional, to find building product information fast and hassle-free. Check out RCAT today at RCAT.com. And don't forget, you can provide feedback on the site. So if you don't find something you're looking for, which is highly unlikely, you can let them know. If you think there's a better way to do something, you can let them know. There's a button on the right side of every page. So if you have a suggestion to make RCAT better, you can click that button and let them know. And also, you can tell them that ArcaSpeak sent you in that box. So thanks, RCAT, for sponsoring this episode of ArcaSpeak. You're an awesome resource, and you're our favorite kind of cat. We love you, RCAT. Thanks again, and uh, let's jump back in to these questions. So number two that we're going to talk about, Daniel Elmore. 
And Daniel says he loves the show. He's a young architect working in an office in New York City. He'd like to have his own practice one day and is preparing by getting licensed for exams down, three to go. Awesome. And he is learning as much about project management and construction as he can. He says, I do consider myself a good designer and often think about how unfortunate it is that architects often have to choose between design and construction in their offices. In our industry, there seems to be a false presumption that people who can't design become PAs or PMs, that design talent is more important than construction expertise. What do you think about that, Cormac? Let's just start right there. Actually, as going through my career as a PA and a PM, I was always fortunate because I worked in a smaller office that I was the project designer and the project architect and the project manager and the CAD guy and everything else. And it helped shape my understanding of buildings far more than the kind of pigeonholed uh, practitioner. And and I understand exactly what he's saying because um, there are, uh, you know, the larger firms that I've seen kind of compartmentalize you in, you know, you're going to be the PA, you're going to be the PM, you're going to be the project designer, you're going to be the partner in charge. And each person has their role and though they complement each other, everybody has a clear definition of what they need to do. I don't necessarily, and again, it's it's going to be based off of my experience, I don't necessarily think that just because you're a project architect or a project manager that you aren't a, a good project designer. I don't think it's a misnomer because it does happen often, but I think it's just a I think it's an economy thing. You know, I mean, the the budgets are very limited on projects. It's got to be streamlined. Everybody really has to, you know, kind of like play their role and do their part to get the project delivered in a timely and costly manner or cost efficient manner. Sorry, not costly. Um, <laughs> and, costly uh, if it's not done right. right? True. Very true. Yeah, Freudian in more, yeah, Exactly. In more ways than one. And so I think that's why a lot of firms do that is because they want to be very efficient with the project because we all know that we spend a lot more time on projects than sometimes the project budget allows. And that's when we start to lose money. And so for efficiency sake, that's why firms restructure things. So everybody has the role. And I I think, uh, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of hard because because I honestly think that um, when you get kind of some, you get kind of, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to explain this, but it's, you're not divorcing yourself from one if you're doing another role. You're, you have to understand design and you have to understand project detailing in the project architect role. Uh they they get they go hand in hand. You you have to know each of them, and if you're un if you're in a firm that is unfortunately kind of compartmentalizing you, and you don't kind of go back and forth, you're never really going to develop into the strong, well-rounded architect that you really need to be. Depending on where you work, but yeah, I mean that's it, it what he wants. That's what he wants. He says that later on. It definitely sounds like you know that's what he's looking for and what he really wants to do, and and I think that. Um, if you're not getting it in the place that you work, it, it you really should look around. And this is when, you know, when I always talk about the, the profession is what you make it. 
what you do in this profession is purely driven and guided by you. And so if you're being compartmentalized into a specific role and you don't have the opportunity to, say, work on the design aspect of, of a project and you're just solely doing detailing or, or construction documents and maybe every once a great while you get to go out on site and do some CA work and stuff like that, then you either A, go to your bosses and ask for a different role because, you know, it's, it's everybody always does the nuclear option. Well, I'm not going to get it here. I'm going to quit and go somewhere else. You may not get it there either. So ask your firm. I mean, you may they may think that you're of value, that they want to keep you around, and they want you to get that well-rounded experience. If, if they want to keep you around, they'll give you that well-rounded experience. And so I think, you know, don't, before you pull the nuclear option, talk to your own firm and, and get that uh, experience. Because... You can't be a good project architect and a good project manager if you aren't also a good designer and vice versa. I know people who I I know that you've got a specific role, Evan, but I mean, I know people that I've met project designers that don't know how to put together buildings and it shows it shows in what they draw up is, you know, this is what we're going to do for you. And you're like, well, you know, you really can't do that because Buildings don't do that. Yeah, for, and well, firms work in different ways. There are some where the, and I think this is something you've talked about before, Neil, where it's very compartmentalized, where designers hand off projects to production, and then there's other firms where it's integrated the whole way through, right? Which is right. the model we work under. So yeah. I will work on a project through construction documents, and so you do get that well-rounded experience, and it is. There's definitely people in the firm who are still surprised that I know how to draw detail, right? Because my main job is doing design. But I think that where where he's asking that he has the perception that design talent is more important than construction expertise. I think that's more of a school thing, depending on the school. I don't think that's a that's a firm thing. There are firms out there that that rely a lot more on design, and that might seem like the case. But I think for the most part, we all want our buildings to get built. Right. Right. And and they have to, right? We're under contract to deliver that uh, right. so that it can actually get built. So I don't think that design talent is more important than construction expertise. I would actually argue that for, for most firms, it's probably the other way around. There's a very small percentage of design talent working in firms compared to all of those other, th- those different dro- job descriptions that exist. But for the most part... Um, it is super important to know how to detail and manage projects. And since you are thinking, Daniel, about opening your own office, you definitely are on the right track getting experience on both sides. And I would even add yes. to that that you need business experience as well. So uh, you. hopefully your project management side gets into the business side and the contracts and the billing and all that stuff. Because if yeah. it doesn't, uh, you're you're going to be at a disadvantage when you start your own firm because you're going to have to wear all of those hats unless you hire people who are passionate about that kind of stuff. And there's definitely people for that too. But um, if you're thinking about opening your own office, chances are you're going to be wearing those hats for, for a while. And so um, as, as our friend of the show, Mark LePage of the Entree Architect podcast says, profit first and then art. Um, I think that's really good advice when you're starting out because you have to learn how to build a business so that when you want to do 
the amazing stuff that that you think you're capable of and that you probably are capable of. Uh, you have to have that foundation already under you, right? right. Uh, so that you can do it effectively and and keep that business going and, and doing those amazing projects. Yes, because there is the leap before the looks um, aspect of things, where then you be right back where you are now working for somebody else um or there's the people who kind of well plan it out and i definitely will echo the whole business aspect of things because there used to be this thing that at one of the firms that i worked for they talked about design was everywhere design was in project management design was in everything else but in this particular case you can't design if you don't have a job (laughs) <laughs> and understand and understanding contracts, understanding the money management of things really is the most important thing because architects are very creative when it comes to how they can create and design a building and, and walk through project management and walk through construction management and stuff. And that part's fine. But actually understanding and knowing the you know how to keep your finances afloat and really how to do business development and pull business yeah. in and things like that. How to market, how to present, how to how to network, how to do all that stuff. Yeah. That is probably far more important than knowing how to put together a building. It, you can hire people to do that. Exactly. You can hire Moises, who's uh, going to graduate and thinking about going to the architecture program. I mean, it's, it's, it's totally true. And, and I think we we're just, we're harping on it a lot because we've all been parts of businesses that have gone under. Right. And, and and that's, that's just, I I wouldn't trade that. I'm glad I had that experience. So. Oh, absolutely. I I don't, I don't knock any one of us for trying, um, but that's, that's kind of the takeaway is, and that's why we're harping on it because that is something that is so important and it's not something that's well taught in school. So while there is, an emphasis on design um, at, at a lot of architecture schools. Um, I wish there was more emphasis on business and um, the other aspects of their profession that, that we all could yeah. use uh, a lot of help with. Yes, absolutely. Time for some recommendations, I think. Recommendations. That's right. We started recommendations in uh, episode 99. Yeah. Who wants to go first? This was your idea. Right. You go first. All right. I'll go first. <laughs> All right, who's throwing who under the bus now? All right, so <laughs> I have a recommendation. My recommendation, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Uh, it's something that I just was on the Dropbox website uh, a couple weeks ago, and I noticed this thing on the, on the left-hand side called Dropbox Paper. And then uh, about a week ago, I got an email about it. And everybody uses Dropbox, so I thought this could be useful for our audience to, to know about. And you might have gotten the email for this, um, so... Let me know if you have. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at etroxel. But um, Dropbox Paper is a online collaboration tool, and so it's kind of Google Docs ish, and it's kind of um, Trello ish. I don't know. Like we use Trello for the show. We've been using it for years to kind of collaborate on the show notes and put ideas together in real time. Now that we all have, everybody has Dropbox. Everybody has Dropbox everywhere. Um, it's one of those online collaboration tools that crosses the boundaries of no matter what kind of computer or, or device you use. So what is it? It's, it's just basically a text document that's created uh, on the web. And it basically, you can paste in a link to a video and the video pops in and you can, you can do rich, 
rich text formatting. You can do comments. You can paste in uh, links to images. You can use emoji. So it's kind of Slack-like. It does checklists. You can put tables. You can at comment people. Um, and so it's pretty cool because like on the left-hand side, you get a, a short little outline of your document. So you could have like a, a document that's a mile long. Uh, and, but on the left, it just gives you kind of some quick little bullet points and you click on them and it just takes you to that spot on the page. And then on the right side of the page, like, so there's three columns. There's like the left column, which is that outline. The middle column is the main stuff. And then the comments are on the right-hand side. And so, uh, it's kind of cool as far as like a writing tool. If, if people have to collaborate on creating um, a, a document for a proposal or maybe we'd even use it for the show notes for the show or whatever. But if you if you log into Dropbox, click on that little paper icon and uh, it's pretty cool. There's like a it, it just takes you right into a, a, a few options that you can you can check out for samples. And uh, it's it's pretty cool. I just thought it was it's neat because everybody is could use this, right? You don't have to have a Google account. You don't have to have a, a Trello account. I mean, it's just already part of your Dropbox, so you can do a lot of neat stuff with it. So check it out. Just uh, Dropbox. It's paper.dropbox.com. Right. Yeah, I actually just pulled it up when we were talking, and uh, it, it really does kind of look like, you know, the Slack slash, you know, kind of OneNote type thing where, yep. and, and it's, it's good, too, because I... You can pull it up on your phone. You can pull it up anywhere, and, and even even send a link to your client and have them you know, jump in there as well. Yeah, you can you can send links just like you can to your Dropbox files. You can send links to your, I guess, paper documents here, and uh, and people can just jump in and start doing stuff with it. So pretty sweet. Damn. All yeah, right. a new thing, a new toy. Awesome. Like we have plenty of time in our life to. Uh, <laughs> Try something else. Exactly. Go I'll go. Sure. All right. Buy, buy Neil some time. Yeah, I was gonna say. Ah, <laughs> give, hey, I, I wrote it down. I wrote it down before we started recording. All right. Nice. So, uh, um, technology based as well. Uh, my browser of choice has been for the longest time Chrome. I like Google Chrome. It, you know, I, I can log in to one place and anywhere else. And sure, every other browser is very similar to it. But what I, what I'm, my recommendation is, though, especially for us Arca nerds, is there is a plugin for uh, Google Chrome. The plugin is the Arc Daily plugin. And so every time you open up a new tab, it will basically pull up a little piece of inspirational architecture. And, you know, like I just opened it up and it says long night ahead. We're here for, uh, we're here if you need some architecture inspiration. They know you so and it's, well. And it's got this, you know, a uh, great <laughs> picture of, you know, this beautiful magazine quality picture of some really nice architecture. And then it has a link to that particular project and it takes you to the Arc Daily um, you know, project page and it pulls it up. It has little, um, you know, down on the uh, lower left corner, it you know, talks about your calendar. Um, every once in a great while, if I don't have anything on my calendar, it says, um, your calendar is free. Go have a beer. Like, well, thank you. Boy, it I don't really know. It knows you very <laughs> well. The reminder. <laughs> and then it also has um, a small link that uh, off to the right hand side that says most visited. 
And basically, it's got like the most visited um, articles on Arc Daily for that day. Um, so you know, it's it's kind of a kind of a collection of 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 both inspiration and your you know just organization and stuff. And I find myself sometimes opening up a tab and I'm like, ooh, that's really nice. Well, I can't go to that <laughs> website right now because I'm trying to do something. You just so, leave that tab open. Exactly. Open up so another. I'll Sounds find like myself. A dangerous rabbit hole to go down. I find myself with like 15 <laughs> different unused tabs open that just have that particular piece of architecture. Um, and what was actually um, cool is one day I opened up a tab and the picture that came on was the lantern house that our friend of the show and just our friend, uh, America McKeel, um, did. And I was just like, hey, I know that building. And I know the architect who did that. And that's it was awesome. like, it was kind of exciting. I was just like, that's cool. You know, and it just, you know, it, that's what I like about it is, is that the, you know, it just gives you that little bit of like connection to other architects in the profession and other things that they're, we're thinking about. And, and then just your little simple organization. It's just a nice, clean homepage once you're a tab page and it's just kind of cool so yeah it is the arc daily add-on for chrome i like that not going to use it but mr Mr. safari no no well yes Yes. but (laughs) but not at work at work work, i'm stuck with uh microsoft edge It's got to be. That's that's when you it's, insert the the uh, crowd of of people laughing. Good. That's okay. I, it's you know. got to be you <laughs> the, having the, to use uh, PCs all day long. Oh, shut the hell up! You alive? Uh, just shut the hell up. <laughs> uh, Let's move on. Let's great. move on. I want to get. Don't get. All right. You'll probably get, crawl up late. into a ball crying. All right, you're really working on getting that beep going, huh? Aren't you? <laughs> All right, so my recommendation, and I did actually, I typed this out before we started recording because you warned me that I had to have one. So uh, actually just today, this this sort of uh, came up and, um, and I'm like, you know, this is just something very useful. So what my recommendation is Amazon Prime. And I'm, I am not a huge Amazon user, uh, but I'm finding that for some basic items, even like household items, it's just so easy to uh, just order it, and two days later, it's there. And I don't have to come home from work or on the way home, stop at the store and pick up you know, this or that or you know, just basic household stuff or personal items, shampoo, soap. Uh, it just seems like the most craziest thing to do to order like shampoo from Amazon, but it saves me time. And we we already have the Amazon Prime subscription. My wife has it. And one of the neat things is that she's she has it. And then I'm able to be like a member or family member on that account. So I can log into my Amazon account and still take advantage of Amazon Prime. And and, you know, of course, no, um, uh, no shipping cost charges for it. And two days later, you have it. So I, I just. I'm finding the service to be very useful in ways that I hadn't really thought of uh, when I when we first had it. Got to keep going with it though, because with as Prime members, because I'm a Prime member myself, uh, you get Amazon Video, 
you get Amazon Music. And never use it. Never you use should, it. You should definitely use Amazon Video because it's essentially the same same thing with original content and everything else uh, as like a Netflix or a Hulu. And um, there are fantastic shows like um, Mr. Robot. Both seasons are on there, and it's just a. Uh, there's original content like the. Um, now that Top Gear is no longer on, oh, yeah, Grand Grand, yeah, Grand Tour is on Amazon Prime. So as Amazon Prime users, yeah. you will be get get to see the boys come back on TV, and that's just. I mean, <laughs> I would get Amazon Prime uh, subscription just for that alone, yeah. but. There are a lot of other really cool advantages with uh, with Prime, so yeah, I definitely think this is a good uh, recommendation. I think plus one actually uh, one more yeah. plug. Yeah, um, some friends of ours, really good friends of ours. Her little brother uh, stars in a Amazon Prime original TV show called Gordimer Gibbons Life on Normal Street. It's kind of like a preteen teen tv show and uh it's really cool <laughs> now i get to plug somebody else's tv show too uh, i was i was just gonna add that amazon prime is, is what's very interesting about it is that I, it initially started as free free shipping and it is just expanded to so many different other things with music and video as you mentioned it's one of the services that is more than just the it's the more than just the sum of its parts i think and so i give a lot of credit to amazon for doing that and i don't know how they make any money doing it but whatever oh uh, they make lots of money because you uh, are ordering a lot i, I suppose so the that, more, you know, well, think about fair. this the, think about this the more that you you know say, like, oh it's free shipping so i don't have to pay for that I can buy a pair of shoes. I'm looking at it right now. It's just like men's casual sneakers. Like you said, when you started is that you can get anything. I, I knew a guy who used Amazon prime to get diapers shipped to his house every day. So he didn't have to go and buy diapers for his kid. It makes sense. Absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. So anyway, that's my recommendation. We, uh, forgot probably the most important recommendation. A.R.E. Hex. That you can find on, on Amazon. Amazon Prime. I like Amazon. All right. Well, let's wrap this one up. First off, shout out to Arcat. Really appreciate them sponsoring the show. They they really help keep us on the air and on the web and on Twitter and everywhere else. So big shout out to them. Go check them out and all the services they offer at ARCAT.com. And also, too, make sure you check out our different catalog of episodes. We now have 100 of them, uh, as this is now 101. And where do you find all those? That's at arcaspeakpodcast.com. And also, too, just a reminder to sign up for our newsletter. We won't send you anything but just links to all the different things we talked about in each episode, like our recommendations and other things that we've mentioned. And then between the episodes... Feel free to talk to us via Twitter or on our Facebook page. Links for all of those can be found by visiting the site at arcaspeakpodcast.com. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Good night.
lucky you can start now Or you can hang your head in despair The only road will take you there They may tell you That you'll never recover, baby I've learned one thing or another about you It's the only road to get you there And if they don't know how to treat a lady Maybe you can teach them how to act They could use a little bit of discipline and a hand On the backside, baby, let's pretend Cross that face 